to uh, prepare our hearts for the Christmas season, I think it's important for us to get kind of an overall view of the whole story of the Bible. We go back to the very first chapters of Genesis and we read how that God created a beautiful, perfect world. Everything in it was without any flaw or blemish of any kind and it was just the way God wanted it to be. In fact, you read in that first chapter of Genesis and every day of creation, God said, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. And then he finally says it's very good, very good. And then God created man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden, a part of the world that was the most beautiful, the most lush and a perfect part of a perfect world. And he said to Adam and to Eve, uh, this is yours. And he said, I have created you in my own image. You are to be image bearers of the Almighty God so that in this world you are to shine my glory. People will see you and, and they will see my glory. And the world will be, you'll reflect who I am. And uh, it was just a perfect setup. I'm telling you, everything was just absolutely perfect. And then in the third chapter of Genesis, we read that sin entered into that perfect world. And everything was uh, damaged. Everything was ruined and uh, God, who had intended for Adam and Eve to reflect his glory and to actually extend the garden, I really believe that he intended for them not just to, to steward the garden, but to actually expand it. He said to, to fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth, and, and let my glory be seen everywhere. So he intended for them to, to expand the garden across the whole globe. But uh, before any of that could happen, a uh, man decided that he would uh, do things his own way, not God's way. Listening to uh, the lying serpent who was so subtle and questioning the, the character of God and the word of God and the love of God, and they bought the lie. And they sinned against God. And the Bible says immediately everything radically changed. And the planet that had been so perfect was now infected with sin. And that sin grew and grew and grew and grew in the hearts of men. So much so that the very first child ever born on the planet became a murderer and killed his own brother. It's amazing, isn't it? And then the sin just ran so rampant that within a few generations, the world was so corrupt. The Bible says that, the, the, that men's hearts were only evil continually. And God uh, sent a flood, and he washed away and took away almost all humans. Eight people survived in an ark that God had directed them to make. But the problem was still in their heart. And almost as soon as the flood was over, we see the whole sin process beginning all over and over and over again. 
And so our world today, the world that we see today, is not at all the world that God intended from the beginning. And it's not the world that God will ultimately end up with. It's the world that we have right now, though. We see war. We see suffering. We see hunger. We see uh, uh, corruption. We see everything. In fact, just if you want to get depressed, just watch the news. Yeah. That'll just make you sad. And you think, man, what in the world is wrong with this world? We don't have to go very far. You don't have to go outside of Glen Heights to see it. You just go right here across the road. or Actually, we don't even have to go outside of this building, do we? We can just look at our own hearts, and we can say, man, things are not the way God intended them to be. There's so much struggle. There's so much loss. There's so much damage, so much sin. And it was against that backdrop of sin that God began to give a promise. Right there in the garden, God said to Adam and to Eve, He said to Eve that there is one coming, a child who will be born of woman, who will actually crush the head of this wicked serpent. But in doing so, he will receive a mortal wound and will die. And I'm sure Adam and Eve must have scratched their head and wondered, who is this? Who is this seed of the woman who will crush the head of Satan, but in doing so will actually suffer a mortal wound and die? How could that be? And all through the centuries, God kept bringing that promise he kept bringing pictures of it he kept bringing every time a little lamb had its throat cut for the sin of some sinful man and they watched as that animal bled out and the flames went up they thought well what could this be a picture of some innocent lamb dying for sin and by the shedding of blood there's remission of sin and they, they couldn't know. They just couldn't know. And even the prophets, I mean, all of the uh, pictures in the Old Testament, then you come to the prophets, and these prophets begin to, to say, there is a day coming. There's a day coming when the Savior, the Messiah, the Redeemer will come, and by His own blood, He will pay for our sins. But again, they could only... Uh, even the prophets, I don't think, understood what they were saying. They, they, they couldn't imagine. In fact, when the prophet Isaiah looked forward, it was like he saw two mountains. And they looked like they were side by side to him because when you stand off the distance and look at two mountains, they may be miles apart, but they look like they're side by side. And so when Isaiah looked at the mountains, he would think, well... I see a mountain on which there is a suffering servant who is dying and bleeding for sinners. But then I see another mountain on which there's a reigning king who is ruling the world and calling all things back to the way it was in the beginning. He had no way of knowing that in between those two mountains there were at least 2,000 years 
But I'm telling you today, we're much closer to that second mountain. I believe we're closer to the second mountain than we ever were to the first mountain. And that first mountain was Mount Calvary, where the Lamb of God died for our sins. But then the other mountain is the mountain of the glory of the Lord. And when Isaiah looked ahead, he saw these mountains. And I want us to uh, look at Isaiah chapter 2 today. We're going to look at the first uh, maybe seven verses. And I want you to see that uh, the gospel in Isaiah, and by the way, the gospel is all in Isaiah. The book of Isaiah has a lot of judgment in it. So God is saying sin has ruined everything and here's what sin is costing everybody. And God has to deal with sin. But then he turns around and he says, but God is merciful and God will save. And somehow or another, God will be even with us. Emmanuel that we've sung about and that there will be a way and Isaiah I don't think had a clue if anybody said well how's God going to do this Isaiah say look I'm just reporting the news I don't know how it's going to happen but I see two pictures I see a suffering savior dying as an innocent lamb for sinners but I see a reigning king who is bringing peace and the glory of God to cover the whole earth like water covers the sea. How it can be, I don't know. Now, we know more about it now because we live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of the New Testament. But listen to this. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days... (coughs) that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. He says there's coming a day, Isaiah the prophet said, I see a day in which the mountain of the Lord will become the, the, the highest mountain of all the planet and the nations of the world will flow to that mountain. And then he says in verse 3, And many people shall come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. What a glorious day he sees. He sees a day in which the authority, the kingdom of God will rule over all the earth. 
and it will be a kingdom of such peace. It will be a kingdom of such uh, 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 love and mercy that all of the Gentile nations, all of the nations of the world will come to the Messianic King and will worship him. And they will lay down all their weapons of war and they will turn those weapons into, into tools for agriculture and for service. And nation will no longer rise up against nation. Now, we're not living in that today, are we? Man, I tell you what. We, just, we live in such a, such a tenuous world, such a tense world. War can break out and does break out. And we, we think only, most of us think about wars that affect us as Americans. We think about North Korea and think about the potential conflict with, uh, with, with other nations that, that, that affect us directly. <clears throat> but in Africa and in Asia and other parts of the world, there's constant war. One nation rising up against a nation, another tribe against another tribe. And he says there is coming a day when all that will be over. There will be peace. There will be peace on this earth. And how will it come about? It will only come about through the sacrifice of the Savior, which has already happened. And some theologians look at all of this and they say when Jesus says for us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven this is what we're praying for we're praying for that day that time when the mountain of the Lord will extend above everything where the rule of Christ the reign of Christ will be over all of the world and Jesus himself as king will rule on this planet and he will bring peace on earth and goodwill to men but do you know that right now his kingdom can and does actually rule in a certain measure. In your heart and in my heart, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has established his kingdom. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, then Jesus is Lord and King in your heart. And uh, the theologians call this the already but not yet. The already, in other words, His kingdom is here right now in our hearts. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is in you, but not yet in its fullest measure. There is coming a day when the Christ who reigns in my heart will actually bring complete and total victory over all sin and shame and will establish his kingdom over the entire world. Now, we don't see it all yet. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews says that 
that we don't see all things under our feet yet, but we see Jesus. We see him who has already conquered and has already is bringing about his kingdom in our hearts right now, but eventually over the whole world, over the whole world. And uh, we see this in the last, next to the last chapter of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21. It says, now this is the, off in the future. It's not what we see right now, what we will see. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne shouting, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The same one who spoke the original creation into existence says, I am speaking a new creation into existence. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. By the way, John, who was receiving this message from God, was on the Isle of Patmos. He had already been persecuted. Many historians say, church fathers say, he had been dipped in hot oil until the skin bubbled up on him, and then it didn't kill him, and so they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, and by this time he's an older man. He's even older than I am now. He was in his 80s or maybe even early 90s. And here he is, and God is saying to him, John, I want to tell you, there's coming a day when all this, all this persecution, all this suffering, all this weeping is all going to be done away with. There's coming a day when I'm going to make everything new. Just like I did originally, I'm going to speak into existence a whole new creation. And in it, there will be no suffering. There will be no tears. There will be no death. And the kingdom of God will cover the whole earth like water covers the ocean, covers the sea. And he said, write it down because these words are trustworthy and true. John must have thought as he received this revelation 
I, is this really going to happen? Can I really believe this? And God says, write it down. Write it down. You can trust it. It is going to happen. And he said to me, it's done. It's as good as done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Now, let me tell you, here's the point that I'm wanting to get across today. God made a perfect world. Sin ruined it. God is going to recreate an absolutely perfect world in which there will be no death, no sorrow, no sin, no shame, no guilt. Nothing that offends will be there. But we live now in between those two. We live in a world that is still twisted and marred and damaged by sin. We see it when we look in the mirror, and we see it when we look in the news. We see it when we look at our neighbors. We see it when we look at our family. We see it when we look at our own heart. We see the, the damage that sin has done. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has died for sinners. He has given himself so that he could pay for our sin, but more than that, so that he could live and rule and reign in our hearts. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has not come in its fullness, but it has come. His kingdom is here. And you can benefit from it. You can enjoy it. You can rejoice in it. You can say, Jesus is my king. I trust him. He is my master and my Lord. And when that happens, the kingdom of God is set up in your heart because the king is set in your heart. And you do that with a sense of knowing someday all that I have now just in kind of seed form will suddenly explode and cover the whole earth. Now, when a person becomes a Christian today, he receives Jesus as his Savior, his Lord, his King, his Master, and God begins at that time to work on him, to bring him to a fuller understanding and a fuller sense of obedience. But it's not yet. Already saved, but not yet fully perfected. Sometimes people think, you know, well, if somebody just gets saved, then everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be great. Well, everything is certainly better. But that is the beginning of the Christian life, not the end result of the Christian life. To enter into a personal relationship with Jesus is the first step in becoming what God is bringing us to. Does that make sense? See, 
Sometimes a mother or father will come and say, you know, I've got a wayward son. He's just all messed up. He's out on drugs, everything like that. If he could just get saved, and then he does get saved, and immediately things are better. But then they say, boy, he's still got a long way to go. Well, friend, I want to tell you, you want to know who else has a long way to go? All of us. That's right. I still have a long way to go. I can still uh, do things and say things and think things and, and, and respond in ways or react in ways that I look at and say, man, I can't believe I did that. And God is saying, I'm glad you recognize that. Amen. But I want you to know that I'm still working on you. And I tell you, God's still working on you. Now, if you're saved, if you know Jesus, God says, I have a plan for you. And that plan is to shape you into the absolute, complete, and perfect image of my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to build in you the absolute character of Christ, and I'll produce in you fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and mercy and self-control. But it'll take some time. And our, our walk, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the light. And we don't just get suddenly transported to perfection, but praise God, that day is coming. We are already His, but not yet perfect. The day is coming. Won't it be wonderful? (laughs) The day is coming when all that we have in desire and hope and, and longing will be reality. Not just for the world, but for each of us. I long for that day for myself personally, for each of us, and for this sin-corrupted world when the glory of God will cover the whole earth like water covers the sea. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are working. The Lord Jesus said in his day, my Father is working and I'm working. And Lord, you're still working. You're working on us. You're working on this corrupt world. You have finished the work of redemption, but you are still at the work of restoration. And I pray that you will help those here today who need to receive you as Savior as sacrifice, as redeemer, as Messiah, that they might do that. But then for those of us who are already believers, I pray that you will help us to submit to your lordship, that you will help us to long for the full and complete rule of Christ in our heart. And I ask you, Spirit of God, to produce in us the fruit of a a saved growing person, a child of God. And I pray it in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.